she was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. She's a witch! Yep. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the from Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM People Powered Radio in LA, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania, 92.9 FM WLRI. In Hawaii, on 88.5 FM KAKU in Maui. Columbus, Ohio's WGRN 94.1 FM. Palinville, New York's 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul, on the great AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free, Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth. Five days a week, I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, Muckraker and all-around swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us for another thrilling, action-packed adventure. Well, uh, we have told this story once or twice, I think, since Election Day. But uh, Desi Doyen, what is it that uh, what is it that Frank Luntz uh, likes to say? Oh, about communication about, and effectiveness. Yeah, yeah. He says that in order for somebody to actually hear what you're saying, you have to say it again and again and again and again and again. <laughs> and about yeah. the time that you are sick of saying it over and over again is the first time the public is hearing it. And that may be the case. Uh, It's certainly the case for uh, Republicans taking Frank Luntz's advice. Uh, I I, I don't know if I say uh, I've said this story that many times, but I think it is worth saying again because uh, people need to understand this. So let me start here. Here's the story uh, as Ari Berman uh, this time reported it at The Nation back in uh, in mid-November. Of last year, mid-November of 2016, he reported on March 7, 1965, Albert Turner, a tall, sturdy bricklayer from Marion, Alabama, walked directly behind John Lewis during the infamous Bloody Sunday March in Selma. When Lewis fell from the force of police blows, so did Turner. I fell down and ran, he said, then I fell down again and ran some more. After the passage of the Voting Rights Act, Turner became known as Mr. Voter Registration, working as Alabama Field Secretary for Martin Luther King's Southern Christian Leadership Conference. After King's assassination, Albert Turner led the mule wagon that carried King's body through the streets of Atlanta. Because of of Turner's work, African Americans gained political control of many counties in the Alabama Black Belt, where you could practically count the number of black voters on one hand in 1965. 
almost uh, almost 100 years uh, since uh, African-Americans had been given the right to vote. Still, there was almost no one in Alabama's black belt who was actually registered to vote. Almost no black voters in any event. But the flourishing of black political power in the black belt did not sit well with the old white power structure back in uh, in uh, after 1965, after the Voting Rights Act was put in place. In the Democratic primary of September 1984, FBI agents hid behind the bushes of the Perry County, Alabama post office waiting for Albert Turner and fellow activist Spencer Hogue to mail 500 absentee ballots on behalf of elderly black voters that they had collected them from. When Turner and Hogue left the post office, the feds seized the envelopes from the mail slots. Twenty elderly black voters from Perry County were bused three hours to Mobile, Alabama, where they were interrogated by law enforcement officials and forced to testify before a grand jury. 92-year-old Willie Bright was so frightened of the law at the time that he would not even admit that he voted. In January 1985, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, the 39-year-old U.S. attorney at the time for the Southern District of Alabama, charged Albert Turner, his wife Evelyn, and, and Spencer Hogue with 29 counts of mail fraud, altering absentee ballots, and conspiracy to vote more than once. They faced over 100 years in jail on criminal charges and felony statutes under the Voting Rights Act, provisions of the law that had scarcely been used to prosecute white officials who had been disenfranchising blacks for years and years and years. The Turners and Hogue became known as the Marion Three. Their trial was held in Selma, Alabama, of all places. The jury of seven blacks and five whites deliberated for less than three hours before returning a not guilty verdict on all counts. All counts. There was nothing there. Four months later, the Ronald Reagan administration, just four months after this trial in 1985, just four months later, the Reagan administration, to the astonishment of civil rights supporters, nominated Jeff Sessions, the U.S. attorney who had brought this case. They, Reagan nominated Jeff Sessions for a federal judgeship on the District Court of Alabama. Mr. Sessions' role in the uh, voting fraud case in Alabama alone should bar him from sitting on the bench, said Senator Ted Kennedy. Here's more of what he had to say. Mr. Sessions is a throwback to a shameful era, which I know both black and white Americans thought was in our past. It's inconceivable to me that a person of this attitude is qualified to be a U.S. attorney, let alone a United States federal judge. A bipartisan coalition of U.S. senators ended up sinking Sessions' nomination back in 1986 at that hearing, making him the uh, the first Reagan judicial nominee rejected by the U.S. Senate and one of the very few, very, very few federal judicial nominees to ever be voted down in the Senate's history. The NAACP has called Jeff Sessions' nomination to become Donald Trump's U.S. Attorney General deeply troubling and said Sessions supported an old, ugly history where civil rights were not regarded as core Amer American values. Yes, after that failed trial of the uh, civil rights heroes, 
Jeff Sessions went on to become uh, from the U.S. attorney uh, for, for Alabama. He went on to become the attorney general in Alabama. He then went on to become a U.S. senator where he has been serving ever since until he was nominated by Donald Trump in November to become the uh, next U.S. attorney general, despite his record, despite the fact that the NAACP calls his selection deeply troubling and said that Sessions supports an old, ugly history where civil rights were not regarded as core American values. The Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights says Jeff Sessions has no place leading our nation's enforcement of civil rights and voting rights laws. The NAACP Legal Defense Fund said it was unimaginable that he could be entrusted to serve as the chief law enforcement uh, uh, chief law enforcement officer for this nation's civil rights laws. Of particular concern is Sessions' history on voting rights, which the leadership conference described as, quote, a record of hostility. Over the course of 30 years, Jeff Sessions has shown a skepticism towards the Voting Rights Act while being quick to inflame concerns over alleged election fraud, alleged election fraud. With Sessions at the helm of the Department of Justice, its recent efforts to curb discriminatory voting restrictions looks to be very much in jeopardy wrote Tierney Sneed at TPM back in November, just after Donald Trump had announced his first supporter in the U.S. Senate, Jeff Sessions, would be his attorney general nominee. As you have probably heard by now, Senate Democrats, uh, after speaking all night, Monday night and into Tuesday morning against Trump's education secretary nominee, Betsy DeVos, in an attempt to get one more Republican senator to join them in voting against her uh, her nomination. The Democrats were able to stick together. They were able to get two Republicans peeled off, but their effort didn't work. DeVos was confirmed after a tie vote. And the first time it was the first time in U.S. history that a vice president, Mike Pence, in this case, had to vote to break the tie for a presidential cabinet nominee. So that was uh, that was Monday night and into Tuesday. After that, and after all the Dems had finally come together, finally come together to vote against one of Donald Trump's nominees, they used the same tactic overnight on Tuesday into Wednesday to speak out against Senator Jeff Sessions' nominee to become the attorney general, the top law enforcement officer in the country. As Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren had the floor, she quoted... Uh, those remarks from Senator Ted Kennedy uh, about how uh, unqualified he was to become a federal judge with a lifetime appointment. She quoted those remarks from Kennedy at that Sessions hearing back in 1986 before she then moved on to a letter from Martin Luther King's widow, Coretta Scott King, composed as, as written testimony to be submitted to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee for the record back in 1986. Since she was not able to be there at the time, she wasn't able to be present in person at the time, So she, she, but she submitted this written testimony for the record. Coretta Scott King has since passed away. She passed away back in 2006. But her letter was submitted to the record, but apparently Senator Strom Thurmond, the Southern segregationist, who was then the chair of the Judiciary Committee in the U.S. Senate, he never bothered to enter the letter into the record, apparently. Which I note, by the way, that letter was also cc'd to then Senator Joe Biden, the ranking Democrat at the committee at the time. 
I'm sorry, I did not know that. Yeah, he's. I did not know that Strom Thurmond refused and, or I'm yeah. sorry, neglected yeah. somehow to man- to put that into the record. It was an accident. It was an oversight. Yeah. It came from Martin Luther King's wife. Mm. It was nine pages of uh, of testimony, but he just and he and she asks to please respectfully submit this to the record. Uh, Thurman, uh, mm, just mm, he mm. forgot. He forgot. Mm. Uh, in any case, in any event, this letter, which hadn't really been seen now in 30 years since that uh, Sessions hearing, Warren, Elizabeth Warren, started reading it. Uh, and then this happened. And note the woman whispering to the uh, presiding Senate president at the time, uh, Senator Steve Daines of Montana, telling him what to say here. She is, I believe, the, the Senate parliamentarian. It has been a long uphill struggle to keep alive the vital legislation that protects the most fundamental right to vote. A person who has exhibited so much hostility to the enforcement of those laws. The Senator is reminded that it is a violation of Rule 19 of the standing rules of the Senate to impute to another Senator or Senators any conduct or motive unworthy or becoming a Senator. Mr. President, I don't think I quite understand. I'm reading a letter from Coretta Scott King to the Judiciary Committee from 1986 that was admitted into the record. I'm simply reading what she wrote about what the nomination of Jeff Sessions to be a federal court judge meant and what it would mean in history for her. This is a reminder, not pertinent necessarily to what you just shared, however, you stated that there, a sitting senator is a disgrace to the Department of Justice. Uh, I think that may have been and, Senator and, and, and this Although I would be glad to repeat it in my own words. The rule applies to, to imputing conduct or motive through any form or voice to a sitting form of words includes quotes, articles, or other materials. So quoting Senator Kennedy calling then a, 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 a nominee Sessions a disgrace is a violation of Senate rules. It was certainly not in 1986. In the opinion of the chair, it is. So let me understand then. And, and, and the senator is warned. So can I ask a question in the opinion of the chair? I want to understand what this the, rule the means. The senator will state her inquiry. So... Is it the contention of the chair that under the rules of the Senate, I am not allowed to accurately describe public views of Senator Sessions, public positions of Senator Sessions, quote, public statements of Senator Sessions? The, senator, the chair has not made a ruling with respect to the senator's comments. The chair has not made a ruling as respect to the senator's comments. The senator is following process and tradition by reminding the senator from Massachusetts of the rule. Well, I'm, I'm asking for what this rule apply. means in this context. So can I continue with Coretta Scott King's letter? The senator may continue. Thank you. So she was given the permission to continue. With Coretta Scott King's letter, she was apparently being dinged there for quoting Senator Senator Ted Kennedy 
at a U.S. Senate hearing of the Judiciary Committee back in 19, uh, 1986 for uh, Jeff Sessions, where Jeff Sessions was rejected uh, his appointment by Ronald Reagan to become a federal judge. And then she was told to go ahead and start reading uh, Martin Luther King's widow's letter again from that same 1986 Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. But no sooner did Elizabeth Warren go back to reading that letter than she was interrupted by Republican Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. They are mothers, daughters, sisters, fathers, sons, and brothers. Mr. President. They are... Mr. President. The Majority Leader. The Senators impugn the motives and conduct of our colleague from Alabama as warned by the Chair. Senator Warren, quote, said Senator Sessions has used the awesome power of his office to chill the free exercise of the vote by black citizens. I call the Senator to order under the provisions of Rule 19. Mr. President. Senator from Massachusetts. Mr. President, I am surprised that the words of Coretta Scott King are not suitable for debate in the United States Senate. I ask leave of the Senate to continue my remarks. Is there objection? Object. I appeal the ruling. Object. Objection is heard. The Senator will take her seat. I appeal the ruling of the chair, and I suggest the absence of a quorum. The clerk will call the roll. So uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren was then forced to take her seat and under Rule 19, which says no senator in debate shall directly or indirectly by any form or words impute to another senator or to other senators any conduct or motive unworthy or becoming unbecoming a senator. That's Rule 19. And uh, Danes, uh, Senator Danes, who was presiding, and McConnell, then uh, they alone cut off Elizabeth Warren's speech. They then called in the rest of the Senate for the roll call, which affirmed their decision in a party line vote, 49 to 43, that Elizabeth Warren had to shut up. After the Senate cut her off, Democrats appealed the decision and the appeal went down uh, to a similar vote. 50 to 43, effectively silencing Warren for the duration of the debate about Jeff Sessions, uh, the man nominated to be the next chief law enforcement official of the United States. Warren then went hit hit back on Twitter. She posted to her uh, nearly two million followers tonight. Senate Majority Leader silenced Mrs. King's voice on the Senate floor and millions who are afraid and appalled by what happened by what's happening in our country. She said, I will not be silent about a nominee for AG who has made derogatory and racist comments that have no place in our justice system. I will not be silent while the Republican rubber stamp, while the Republicans rubber stamp an AG who will never stand up to the president of the United States when he breaks the law. Others on Twitter were then uh, posting furiously with a hashtag, let Liz speak. One of my favorites, uh, Liv Sangor, uh, uh, wrote, uh, looks like Republican snowflakes got triggered by the words of Coretta Scott King. Happy Black History Month, y'all. Yes, it's Black History Month. And apparently uh, Black History Month, you can't read the, the, the words of Coretta, <laughs> Coretta. Scott oh, yeah. King. There's Qu- no good time for that. 
quite a scam here. You cannot criticize a fellow uh, a fellow senator, which now Jeff Sessions happens to be. So, you know, just nominate all fellow senators and and during confirmation hearings, you can't say anything about about them that would be regarded as critical in any way. Only positive comments about the nominees if their senators are acceptable. Hashtag let Liz speak uh, and silencing Elizabeth Warren trended for hours uh, on Twitter after McConnell forced Warren to take her seat. Senator Chris Murphy said the key point uh, on Twitter, he said the key point uh, is that rules against criticizing other senators cannot apply when you are, all caps, debating the nomination of a senator. Democrats also argued that Republicans were selectively enforcing the rule. Vox's Jeff Stein notes, for example, that Senate Republicans appear to have violated the rule on multiple occasions themselves, one of which occurred less than a week ago with no apparent consequences. Uh, The first day of February, Senator David Perdue, Republican of Georgia, took to the Senate floor to directly attack minority leader Chuck Schumer after Schumer had cried at a press conference about Trump's executive uh, travel ban order. He said the minorities, uh, this is what uh, Senator Perdue said, the minority leader's tear-jerking performance over the past weekend belongs to the Screen Actors Guild Awards, not in a serious discussion of what it takes to keep America safe, said Perdue in a speech on the floor. Also, uh, Republican Senator Tom Cotton has used the Senate floor to attack the, quote, sad, sorry legacy of former minority uh, leader Harry Reid. Uh, this was back in uh, in 2016. Back in 2015, Senator Ted Cruz, Republican Senator Ted Cruz, accused Republican Majority Leader Mitch McConnell of, quote, a flat-out lie. He called him a liar, which is just in violation of every Senate rule. That, uh, he did not uh, pay a penalty for that. No invocation of Rule 19 for those guys. No, didn't come up. Responding to what he described as a double standard by Republicans uh, who have time and time again directly impugned Democratic senators, the uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer added, while the Senate, uh, the senator from Massachusetts has my Republican colleagues up in arms by simply reciting the words of a civil rights leader, my Republican colleagues can hardly summon a note of disapproval for an administration that insults a federal judge, tells the news media to shut up offhandedly threatens a legislator's career and seems to invent new dimensions of falsehood each and every day, said Schumer. I certainly hope that this uh, anti-free speech attitude is not traveling down Pennsylvania Avenue to our great chamber. Well, of course it is, Senator uh, Schumer. Of course it, it is, and it will continue to do so. It will likely get much worse. We know this because we have seen this many times in fairly recent history. Whenever Republicans gain power over a congressional chamber and start feeling their oats. Recall back in uh, in 2005, we broke a, a story at uh, bradblog.com with video. You can still see it there with the all-caps headline at the time. Sensenbrenner meltdown unilaterally gavels Patriot Act hearings to a close. Remember that? In the middle of a hearing on the Patriot Act, as witnesses who were called by Democrats were testifying against renewal of the act, U.S. House Judiciary Committee Chair James Sensenbrenner of Wisconsin gaveled the entire hearing to a close. There was no second uh, from, uh, from the minority party, the Democrats at the time. 
And as uh, the Democrats on the committee found themselves uh, sitting there in stunned disbelief, Sensenbrenner ordered the lights turned off, the microphones turned off. That was back in June of 2005. And that wasn't the only time that Republican snowflakes couldn't stand what they regarded as politically incorrect speech in the U.S. Congress. In the U.S. House, more recently, in March of 2014, you, you may remember this, Republican Congressman Darrell Issa, who was then the chair of the U.S. House Oversight Committee, he cut off the mic of ranking member Elijah Cummings during a contentious hearing on the IRS. He gaveled the hearing to a close, again, without a second. He later apologized to uh, to Congressman Cummings. But that's sort of that that's the sort of behavior uh, that Republicans do when they come into power. It's a bit more rare in the U.S. Senate. But of course, this is what Republicans will be doing as they continue to feel their oats in the majority. And as Democrats call them out for the mess that we are all we all now have on our hands. That's why it's so important to keep telling Democrats to stand tough, particularly as we get to the stolen U.S. Supreme Court nomination, uh, Sessions may, may we'll see, he may, by the time you hear this, uh, he may have overcome Democratic opposition. Uh, and he may become the next U.S. Attorney General. I don't know. And I don't know uh, when that vote is going to be scheduled. But write this number down. Use it to reach b senators from both uh, Democrats and Republicans if you have opinions. You can reach both senators and your member of Congress, in theory, as long as the switchboard holds up, at 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. Senator uh, McConnell later tried to defend his actions against Senator Warren for daring to read from a letter from Coretta Scott King. Here's what McConnell said. Senator Warren was giving a lengthy speech. She had appeared uh, to violate the rule. She was warned. She was given an explanation. Nevertheless, she persisted. She persisted. Uh, that was picked up as well on Twitter. Uh, we saw photos of Rosa Parks sitting in the bus uh, with the quote, she was warned, she was given an explanation, nevertheless she persisted. Oliver Willis tweeted uh, a picture of suffragettes fighting for the right to vote uh, with the quote, she was warned, she was given an explanation, nevertheless she persisted. That same quote was posted along with millions of women marching in Washington, D.C. for the Women's March. My favorite one was a photo of Darth Vader with his finger pointing in Princess Leia's face. She was <laughs> warned, she persisted. Indeed. Uh, this is a short post from Josh Marshall uh, titled Self-Destruction. He writes, in civil rights terms, which are appropriate for the context, Senator McConnell's victory over Senator Warren, getting her to shut up, is comparable to Sheriff Clark's victory at the Edmund Pettus Bridge. The march from Sel Selma uh, to Montgomery, which Sheriff Clark shut down and beat the crap out of these uh, civil rights uh, uh, protesters. So, yeah, I mean, they kept them from getting to uh, from Selma. They kept them from getting to Montgomery. Uh, but at what cost? Well, the cost was the uh, the Voting Rights Act was later passed. Elizabeth Warren took to a uh, an appearance then uh, on the Rachel Maddow show shortly after all of this happened. And for all intents and purposes, she was censured, censured and censored 
by Mitch McConnell and the Republicans in the U.S. Senate. She was disallowed from participating in the debate over who will be the next chief law enforcement officer. Here she was on Maddow. We saw them tell you to sit down. You just said that you're not yep. allowed to speak. How long are you not allowed to speak for? I'm not allowed to speak so long as the topic is Senator Jeff Sessions. Wow. I've been red carded on Senator Sessions. Wow. I'm, I'm out of game on the Senate floor. I don't get to speak at all. The fact that this has happened over the words of Coretta Scott King um, puts almost a surreal cast on this. It seems hard to believe that the Republicans would want to make a national issue, uh, create a political national crisis around this nomination, specifically around the widow of Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, Did you know that you would be treading into this territory where they might be gaveling you and sitting you down uh, when you chose to read this letter? Did you think it would be this controversial? No, I did not. But I will say this. I hope that everyone reads Coretta Scott King's letter because her letter lays out in detail what it looked like back in the 1980s when Jeff Sessions came up to be a federal judge. And she talks about what it meant when he was a U.S. attorney and the actions he took. She summarized by saying she did not believe that Jeff Sessions ought to be confirmed to a federal judicial position and why he was disqualified. But I really do, I hope everybody reads the letter. It is eloquent, and it reminds us of a time in history that we would like to think is far behind us, but reminds us that it is not. No, it is not. And uh, Elizabeth Warren hopes that everyone reads the letter from Coretta Scott King. Sounds like a good idea to me. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and we will do exactly that. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. This a little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This a little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This a little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Sing it. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Today, in the USA Today... Evelyn Turner writes, While my husband and I were trying to help black people vote in Alabama, Jeff Sessions was trying to put us in jail. 
Perry County, Alabama in the 1960s was a hostile place to be black, she writes. To register to vote, a black resident needed to have a white, quote, well-to-do citizen to vouch for them. To enter the county courthouse, blacks had to use the back door. And to fight for our basic rights as Americans, we had to gather in the woods because so many black residents were afraid to be seen meeting in town. Despite vicious segregation and this climate of fear, civil rights leaders and ordinary black residents organized to seek the right to vote, she she writes, today in the USA Today. My husband, Albert Turner, served as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s Alabama field director and helped to lead voter registration efforts in Marion and Perry County. The U.S. Department of Justice and Attorney General, then Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, helped to support our voter registration efforts and secure our basic rights. In 1965, she says, during a peaceful voting rights march in Marion, state troopers beat and shot Jimmy Lee Jackson, an Army veteran who had tried unsuccessfully to register to vote five different times. Jackson's killing sparked the first Selma to Montgomery march and Bloody Sunday. His death and too many others played a significant role in the passage of the Federal Voting Rights Act later that year. We relied on the power of that legislation and the commitment of both Kennedy and then Attorney General Nicholas Katzenbach in supporting access to the ballot box for the black people of Perry County. It would be a great step backwards for our democracy to have Jeff Sessions serving in the job that Kennedy and Katzenbach held. She writes, in 1985, U.S. Attorney Jeff Sessions indicted me, my husband, and another civil rights worker, Spencer Hogue, on false charges of election fraud for assisting elderly black citizens with absentee voting ballots. Despite none of us having a history of criminal activity, Sessions wanted to give us the maximum sentences, adding up to two two centuries in prison. The case against us, the Marion Three, as we became known, was weak. The vast majority of charges were dismissed outright for lack of evidence, and then a racially mixed juror took only hours of deliberation before acquitting us of all charges. Yes, she, she writes, the trial took a toll. We had to sell our family's farm. I lost my job. The episode also took a toll on the voters of Perry County. The tactics of using the levers of power to intimidate and sow fear worked all too well. Black turnout dropped. People were afraid to exercise their constitutional right to vote for fear of retaliation, backed by the power of the government. This, she uh, she writes, this was what Jeff Sessions did as U.S. attorney. I can only imagine what might happen to black voters when he has the power of the entire Department of Justice at his disposal. That's Evelyn Turner, wife of Albert Turner, uh, who uh, who Coretta Scott King was talking about. She was talking about this case when she submitted her letter to the U.S. Senate Judiciary Committee back in 1986. Uh, the committee where that uh, testimony was supposed to be submitted, uh, but apparently it was not. The Southern segregationist senator who headed up the committee at the time never entered it into the record, and Elizabeth Warren, senator from Massachusetts, was trying to read it last night during the confirmation hearings of Senator Jeff Sessions to become the next attorney general. 
She was silenced. She was told to sit down. She was told that she may not participate in debate again until the issue of Jeff Sessions uh, is over, until the vote is had, until this issue is done. She was not allowed to read that letter. So she took to the uh, outside, I guess, outside the U.S. Senate to read it last night. I want to play it in full. I want to play in full what it was that uh, Elizabeth Warren was not allowed to read on the floor of the U.S. Senate. Earlier tonight, I went to the floor of the United States Senate to debate whether or not Jeff Sessions should be confirmed to be the Attorney General of the United States. Now, back in 1986, Senator Sessions back then had been the U.S. attorney and he was rejected uh, to be a federal judge. And one of the things that was important in both Republicans and Democrats deciding to vote against him was a letter from Coretta Scott King to the Judiciary Committee. Tonight, I wanted to read that letter and Senator Mitch McConnell and the Republicans came to the floor to shut me down for reading that letter. So right now what I'd like to do is outside the Senate, I just want to read the letter. Mr. Chairman and members of the committee, this is Coretta Scott King's letter. Thank you for allowing me this opportunity to express my strong opposition to the nomination of Jefferson Sessions for federal district judgeship for the Southern District of Alabama. My long-standing commitment, which I shared with my husband, Martin, to protect and enhance the rights of black Americans, rights which include equal access to the democratic process, compels me to testify today. Civil rights leaders, including my husband and Albert Turner, have fought long and hard to achieve free and unfettered access to the ballot box. Mr. Sessions has used the awesome power of his office to chill the free exercise of the vote by black citizens in the district. He now seeks to serve as a federal judge. This simply cannot be allowed to happen. Mr. Sessions' conduct as a U.S. attorney, from his politically motivated voting fraud prosecutions to his indifference toward criminal violations of civil rights laws, indicates that he lacks the temperament, fairness, and judgment to be a federal judge. The Voting Rights Act was, and still is, vitally important to the future of democracy in the United States. I was privileged to join Martin and many others during the Selma to Montgomery March for voting rights in 1965. Martin was particularly impressed by the determination to get the franchise of blacks in Selma and neighboring Perry County. As he wrote, certainly no community in the history of the Negro struggle has responded with the enthusiasm of Selma and her neighboring town of Marion. Where Birmingham depended largely upon students and unemployed adults to participate in nonviolent protest of the denial of the franchise, Selma has involved fully 10% of the Negro population in active demonstrations, and at least half the Negro population of Marion was arrested on one day. Martin was referring, of course, to a group that included the defendants recently prosecuted for assisting elderly and illiterate blacks to exercise that franchise. In fact, 
Martin anticipated from the depth of their commitment 20 years ago that a united political organization would remain in Perry County long after the other marchers had left. This organization, the Perry County Civic League, started by Mr. Turner, Mr. Hope, and others, as Martin predicted, continued, quote, to direct the drive for votes and other rights, close quote. In the years since the Voting Rights Act was passed, black Americans in Marion, Selma, and elsewhere have made important strides in their struggle to participate actively in the electoral process. The number of blacks registered to vote in key southern states has doubled since 1965. This would not have been possible without the Voting Rights Act. However, blacks still fall far short of having equal participation in the electoral process. Particularly in the South, efforts, to continue, efforts continue to be made to deny blacks access to the polls even where blacks constitute the majority of voters. It has been a long uphill struggle to keep alive the vital legislation that protects the most fundamental right to vote. A person who has exhibited so much hostility to the enforcement of those laws and thus to the exercise of those rights by black people should not be elevated to the federal bench. The irony of Mr. Sessions' nomination is that, if confirmed, he will be given life tenure for doing with a federal prosecution what local sheriffs accomplished 20 years ago with clubs and cattle prods. 20 years ago, when we marched from Selma to Montgomery, the fear of voting was real as the broken bones and bloody heads in Selma and Marion bore witness. As my husband wrote at the time, quote, it was net just a sick imagination that conjured up the vision of a public official sworn to uphold the law, who forced an inhuman march upon hundreds of Negro children who ordered the Reverend James Bell to be chained to his sickbed, who clubbed a Negro woman registrant, and who callously inflicted repeated brutalities and indignities upon nonviolent Negroes peacefully petitioning for their constitutional right to vote. Free exercise of voting rights is so fundamental to American democracy that we cannot tolerate any form of infringement of those rights. Of all the groups who have been disenfranchised in our nation's history, none has struggled longer or suffered more in the attempt to win the vote than black citizens. No group has had access to the ballot box denied so persistently and intently. Over the past century, a broad array of schemes have been used to attempt, in attempts to block the black vote. The range of techniques developed with the purpose of repressing black voting rights run the gamut from the straightforward application of brutality against black citizens who tried to vote to such legalized frauds as grandfather clause exclusions and rigged literacy tests. 
The actions taken by Mr. Sessions in regard to the 1984 voting fraud prosecutions represent just one more technique used to intimidate black voters and thus deny them the most precious franchise. The investigations into the absentee voting process were conducted only in the Black Belt counties, where blacks had finally achieved political power in local government. Whites had been using the absentee process to their advantage for years, without incident. Then, when blacks, realizing its strength, began to use it with success, criminal investigations were begun. In these investigations, Mr. Sessions, a U.S. attorney, exhibited an eagerness to bring to trial and convict three leaders of the Perry County Civic League, including Albert Turner, despite evidence clearly demonstrating their innocence of any wrongdoing. Furthermore, in intimidating, in initiating the case, Mr. Sessions ignored allegations of similar behavior by whites, choosing instead to chill the exercise of the franchise by blacks in his misguided investigation. In fact, Mr. Sessions sought to punish older black civil rights activists, advisors, and colleagues of my husband, who had been key figures in the civil rights movement in the 1960s. These were persons who, realizing the potential of the absentee vote among blacks, had learned to use the process within the bounds of legality and had taught others to do the same. The only sin they committed was being too successful in gaining votes. The scope and character of the investigations conducted by Mr. Sessions also warrant grave concern. Witnesses were selectively chosen in accordance with the favorability of their testimony to the government's case. Also, the prosecution illegally withheld from the defense critical statements made by witnesses. Witnesses who did testify were pressured and intimidated into submitting the correct testimony. Many elderly blacks were visited multiple times by the FBI, who then hauled them over 180 miles by bus to a grand jury in Mobile when they could have more easily testified at a grand jury just 20 miles away in Selma. These voters and others have announced they are now never going to vote again. I urge you to consider carefully Mr. Sessions' conduct in these matters. Such a review, I believe, raises serious questions about his commitment to the protection of voting rights for all American citizens, and consequently, his fair and unbiased judgment regarding this fundamental right. When the circumstances and facts surrounding the indictments of Al Turner, his wife Evelyn, and Spencer Hogue are analyzed, it becomes clear that the motivation was political and the result frightening the wide-scale chill of the exercise of the ballot for blacks who suffered so much to receive that right to vote 
in the first place. Therefore, it is my strongly held view that the appointment of Jefferson Sessions to the federal bench would irreparably damage the work of my husband, Al Turner, and countless others who risked their lives and freedom over the past 20 years to ensure equal participation in our democratic system. The exercise of the franchise is an essential means by which our citizens ensure that those who are governing will be responsible. My husband called it the number one civil right. The denial of access to the ballot box ultimately results in the denial of other fundamental rights. For it is only when the poor and disadvantaged are empowered that they are able to participate actively in the solutions to their own problems. We are still, we still have a long way to go before we can say that minorities no longer need to be concerned about discrimination at the polls. Blacks, Hispanics, Native Americans, and Asian Americans are grossly underrepresented at every level of government in America. If we are going to make our timeless dream of justice through democracy a reality, we must take every step possible to ensure that the spirit and intent of the Voting Rights Act of 1965 and the 15th Amendment of the Constitution is honored. The federal courts hold a unique position in our constitutional system, ensuring that minorities and other citizens without political power have a forum in which to vindicate their rights. Because of this unique role, it is essential that the people selected to be federal judges respect the basic tenets of our legal system, respect for individual rights, and a commitment to equal justice for all. The integrity of the courts, and thus the rights they represent, can only be maintained if citizens feel confident that those selected as federal judges will be able to judge with fairness others holding differing views. I do not believe Jefferson Sessions possesses the requisite judgment, competence, and sensitivity to the rights guaranteed by the federal civil rights laws to qualify for appointment to the federal district court. Based on his record, I believe his confirmation would have a devastating effect not only on the judicial system in Alabama, but also on the progress we have made everywhere toward fulfilling my husband's dream that he envisioned over 20 years ago. I therefore urge the Senate Judiciary Committee to deny his confirmation. I thank you for allowing me to share my views. That was what Coretta Scott King said back in 1986 about Jeff Sessions. I think it is relevant to everyone who is about to vote on Jeff Sessions. And because of her letter and Jeff Sessions' record, I'll be one of the ones voting no. That was Elizabeth Warren reading that letter from the late Coretta Scott King. 
Uh, she had to do it in the hallway of the U.S. Senate because she was disallowed from reading that letter on the floor of the Senate. That testimony from 1986 uh, from the widow of Martin Luther King. Elizabeth Warren was punished <laughs> uh, and uh, for, for trying to read that and uh, removed from debate on Jeff Sessions' nominee, nomination to become the attorney general. At the time that that... Uh, that testimony was submitted. Sessions was up for federal judgeship. He was rejected. But now Elizabeth Warren can't participate in the debate anymore. But you can. The U.S. Senate's phone number is 202-224-3121. Write that down. 202-224-3121. Not just for Jeff Sessions, but for other nominations to come, particularly in the U.S. Supreme Court nomination the stolen U.S. Supreme Court nomination, but it, it underscores again. This is when the Republicans swooped in, when she was talking about the ballot box, when she was talking about the vote. Remember, uh, that prosecution by Jeff Sessions was in the 80s, was under Ronald Reagan, was, was uh, the 1984 election. Not that long ago. The uh, it's about the ballot box. Republicans understand that. I don't know if Democrats and, and progressives still really uh, understand that, but Republicans sure as hell do. It's all about the ballot box. They understand it and they will. And, and they are, in fact, doing everything that they can to control that ballot box and to make sure that only those who they, they like have preferred access to it. That's why we talk about it so much here on this show. That's why Republicans are, as usual, all over it. They do not want Elizabeth Warren reading that letter on the floor of the Senate. They say it's about impugning uh, a fellow senator. But in fact, that fellow senator, uh, he wasn't even a senator at the time that all of this went down. So Republicans get it. I'm hoping the Dems uh, figure that out soon and figure out, frankly, what the hell to do about it before the right to vote slips away altogether. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. We don't usually play clips that are that long, but I, I, uh, I feel like if there's anything that the Republicans wanted to work so hard to keep from being heard that, um, it, well, I guess we ought to make sure everyone hears it. <laughs> so there's that. Well, yeah, I agree. And, you know, something you had said earlier jumped out at me. You said, you know, that the uh, Democrats' effort to stop DeVos didn't work. They they did work. You know, these efforts to stop the Trump train, mm -hmm. all of the protests, all of the resistance, all of the media coverage, they're not succeeding, perhaps, in stopping these nominees today. 
but they are succeeding, I think, over time because they are forcing Republicans to take yep. historic extreme measures yep. in the sunlight yep. where everybody can see it. It's making them do what they have been getting away with for a long time. Call now. them out. You got to keep calling them out. And uh, happily, Warren did that and her fellow Democrats uh, came to her support yesterday. Um, and it, this continues to be important. I'm just getting a word uh, over the break here that Iran has launched another ballistic missile test, uh, which uh, last time they did this a few days ago, a week or so ago, Donald Trump put them on notice and threatened them, threatened military action. This continues to be a very serious situation. We all need to pay attention. Uh, and, you know, when Donald Trump comes out, as he did, was it yesterday, the day before, and, and said, any negative polls are fake news. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I hope people know better. I hope the majority of Americans know better. And there is evidence that they do. A new CNN poll, not fake news, a uh, new CNN poll finds that Americans say by 51 to 41 percent, that's a majority. A majority of Americans say that Senate Democrats would be justified in using the filibuster if all or most of them oppose Trump's stolen Supreme Court nominee, Neil Gorsuch. 51 to 41. So you can call them and let them know your opinion on that at 202-224-3121 before Donald Trump also takes control of the judiciary and the Supreme Court This matters. It's all hands on deck. We've been uh, saying that for a while here. And um, before the election, we've been saying it when we were warning about what was to come. We're continuing to say it afterwards. And we will keep saying it. You know, remember all of the people who fought and died for civil rights, who fought and were beaten for civil rights, who fought years in, years out, over and over again for civil rights. They know it took a long time to bring justice. It It takes a long time. Don't happen overnight, Uh, and especially when we uh, take such a huge leap backwards as we did in the November election. So keep up the fight and keep calling the uh, U.S. Capitol, 202-224-3121. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, you can download it for free, as ever, anytime at bradblog.com. My thanks to those of you who uh, support what we do here every day by stopping by bradblog.com slash donate. Thank you for that. And uh, you can drop me email if you like. I am bradcast at bradblog.com. I had hoped to get to some listener mail today, uh, but events overtook us again, as they seem to every damn day of late. Oh, well, I hope you don't mind, but keep those cards and letters coming. You can also uh, find, follow, and share us and all that we do on the Twitters and the Facebooks at The Brad Blog. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Good luck, world.